Today on our show, we talk about films which we have seen too many times and we do not care to admit. We review the latest from The Alienist on your Netflix account. And finally, we go back to that galaxy far, far away, together but solo. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture, and can do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. I don't know if that's a demission of time or distance. I'm all confused, but we'll talk about that later. Joining me on the pod today, it's none other than the OG, the main guy, the guy who's worked on computer games like Guitar Hero. DJ Hero, whose album, Lucky Dust, number one, can be found on Spotify and iTunes. John, how you doing, pal? I'm doing amazing, especially after the plug I get every week from you. Thank you very much. Um, what Can I pl- plug any of your stuff? The Talk Filmy To Me podcast, of course. You can find that um, right here, right now. Can you please be careful, the phrase, Adam, can I plug you? <laughs> Adam, can I what? Plug you? <laughs> Not after the last time, yeah. Uh, but speaking speaking of plugs, uh, we were mentioned on the Empire <laughs> Film Podcast this week. Thank you very much, Helen. Uh, although your pronunciation of talk filmy to me um, kind of sounded a bit weird, but we appreciate the plug nonetheless. Uh, it did have an impact. We hit the, the iTunes UK charts. We were in around number four Champions League spots. Happy about that, as well as all the new people that are discovering us on Twitter and, and through various means. So hello, welcome. Hopefully we won't let you down and you get to subscribe and stick around. Uh, come subscribe like whatever button it means getting more of us basically i'm not happy about you bringing up the champions league though flinty that's that's not on you're as bad as gary neville on twitter did you see him unbelievable but um, anyway let's let's not talk about football it's a glorious bank holiday weekend let's crack on with some news news what came out over the last couple of weeks which is podcasts forgot to mention just because we thought we did is that bill and ted classic 80s movie starring Keanu Reeves and that other guy and the, they'd had a sequel in the early 90s Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey which was absolutely classic the personification of death literally in that film it also had robots and, and everything else you can think of they're finally closing the loop they're finally finishing off this trilogy John that is right Bill and Ted Free, Bill and Ted Face the Music is coming out it's a real thing and I for one cannot wait I am all about it why not um, I, I feel like you know you always hear things about Keanu Reeves being like amazing to his co-stars and being really nice and giving extra money to the people he thinks deserves it do you think he's like I need to give this guy I've had the career this guy's had nothing as far as we can tell I'm gonna give him his sequel that he needs to like retire early or something Maybe that's a bit harsh. You can imagine behind the scenes, Keanu's just like, oh man, look at this script that you just had on your doorstep, man. It's about a bus that can't go above 50 miles an hour or below, should I say. Nah, man, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to be doing Bill and Ted movies forever. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, you know, it's great that these guys are, are coming back together on the big screen. And the concept of the film is that Bill and Ted have not fulfilled their prophecy of the first movie of someone travelling back from the future to tell them that they've got to write the greatest song of all time there you go Tenacious D ripped it off Um, they did not actually fulfil their destiny so now they've got to travel forward and back in time with their daughters nonetheless to solve the problem there'll be returning members from various films there'll be loads of hidden cameos and it's going to have quite a bit of a budget behind it so I am looking forward to this they're scheduled for a 2019 release although it might be brought forward depending on various things that are going on behind the scenes at the moment hmm Bill and Ted, kind of the original stoner movies, right? But more, more innocent, I guess. There's something very pure about Bill and Ted, and I'm I'm quite I'm looking forward to this as well. I think it's going to be a it's, it could be terrible, let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to go in with a very positive attitude. Hopefully, that will help. Well, I think the fact that they've been talking about this for a long time and they said they'd only do it if they get the script right. This isn't like a Dumb and Dumber two where. 
it was just kind of let's do it for a laugh. Like this is the right script. It, you know, for Keanu Reeves, who let's face it, he's had a bit of a resurgence over the last three or four years with with John Wick really pulling him back out from from out in the distance sort of thing. And he's not going to jeopardise that with with something that's going to be a flop. So I actually generally think this is going to be great. And um, moving on from Bill and Ted, we we've been covering this because it's only fair to be covering these stories because they are important. Um, Morgan Freeman has been accused as part of the Me Too campaign of uh, assaulting a a fellow colleague uh, a long time ago, a woman's now in her 60s, but he has come out and since denied these accusations. And although I completely agree with the internet and everyone talking about this, that Morgan Freeman is definitely one of our, the, the poster child for, for lack of a better word, for, for a role model to aspire to. He's a great advocate of black rights. Um, but that being said, let's let due process happen and if he's guilty then he deserves the same treatment as anyone else if he is innocent then he deserves to be to be vindicated for that so um i don't really know what more to say on that but i think it's something we do need to report on because it's important these things get discussed john what's your take yeah well i read his rebuttal to it and it was um you know playing it playing it down he was obviously horrified that he'd had this effect on he kind of acknowledged that he ha- he you know had might have had this negative effect on these women and apologized um and it's so hard to really know what to feel but i just felt empty and sorrowful because i love morgan freeman i love so many of his movies so uh yeah it's a tough one it's actually more tough than spacey actually yeah um do we think, is it too soon to do jokes about Christopher Plummer uh, taking over Morgan Freeman and all of his old films? Uh, no, let's not go there. <laughs> let's talk about other things that come out this week. So Christopher Robin uh, with Ian McGregor, they released a new trailer last week, which showed us a lot more about the, the I can't remember the name, the forest, the, the forest that Christopher Robin goes to. There we go. That's the title. of. Imagine a book was called that, The Forest That Christopher Robin Goes To. But they show you a lot of the interesting stuff, more about the backstory. John, you had a chance to review it? I've seen the trailer. Um, it's it's good to see you and McGregor in it. Uh, grown up, Christopher Robin. It's kind of hook. Uh, kind of it seems it feels a bit hook vibe. You know, you have got the grown up sort of boy, and and he's reliving a part of his youth. Right. Uh, weird to see. Mm. Got to see Winnie the Pooh in it as well, which was uh, interesting as a kind of bear. It's kind of a, a more innocent Ted, but it's still. I, I was expecting a few like curse words. I was hoping for that probably, but don't <laughs> think that's going to come. Um, but yeah, I can't say I'm, I'm terribly excited about this, but I'll give it a go. An innocent family adventure film. Yeah. You know how you know if someone's naked, but they're only wearing like the top part of their body, it kind of emphasises how naked they are. I couldn't help but notice <laughs> how much Winnie the Pooh in live action is bottom half naked, and it made me uncomfortable. But there is something charming about the film. I can't. I, I'm not. I, yeah. I don't want to say I can't wait to see this because I think that and that Mary Poppins Returns movie is kind of films we're not asking for. But then again it's really good people behind this in front and behind the camera so i'm sure if nothing else we're going to get a nice charming movie is this kind of just uh seeing paddington and the success of that and and hoping to replicate that do you think there's a kind of definitely i do think there is some form of hey paddington makes lots of money and seems to do well overseas why don't we uh why don't we try and pull off that nostalgia and uh, obviously we've got hmm turns out in our vault of uh of history and, and canon we've got a, a, a bear that people like why don't we crack on with that so yeah i agree with you there probably is some form of just money grab here but yeah. like we've said before um Ian mcgregor fantastic actor so hopefully um you know he's not just put his name to a piece of shit so hopefully this is something quite good speaking of putting names to things idris alba has been signed by netflix to direct and produce his own adaptation of the hunchback of notre dame now I'm quite excited about this. I think Idris Elba, if you've seen his um, his show that he done for HBO, which Sky also owns and distributes, called In the Long Run, he obviously can tell a story. He can obviously direct very well. So I'm really interested to see this. Uh, I haven't seen... I have not known Idris Elba as much other than an actor, so I am intrigued as well. Um, I mean, what's In the Long Run? Is that... I'm not familiar with that. It's a semi-biographical story about his 
uncle when his uncle moved over to London from Jamaica. And it's got, uh, yes, um, yes. It's got oh, what's his name? Bill Bailey in it as well. Um, it's very charming. Um, I hate the way Sky try and do these. Hey, look at our Sky productions. The Hurricane Heist is not a blockbuster film, Sky. Stop trying to tell me it is. It looks crap. Anyway, moving on from that. Um, there is a, it's a production done in partnership with HBO. Um, HBO obviously have got the money to back this and also distribute it internationally. And it's Idris Elba giving him a chance to, to A, show off a bit more of his chops behind the camera. So he's got some experience in directing and producing. So this is just that next step in his, uh, his evolution into terms of behind the camera excellent i'll tell you one guy who i love seeing and hearing more of liam neeson loved him in the taken movies loved him as as a jedi master but um he's recently turned his attention to comedy we've seen him do a couple of cameos in in various movies in particular zeph mcfarlane's movies and he's he's going that one step further he's actually been cast in the new men in black film we don't yet know if it's a sequel slash reboot uh it's indicating that it's more of a reboot the actual premise of the film is set in london it's actually going to be in the london branch of the mib uh, collective and liam neeson is joining the cast of crims hairsworth and tessa thompson so um this is shaping up to be a real fucking interesting film now yeah it's one of them things isn't it? they always go to london on the like the second or third iteration remember wayne's world 2 went to london grand theft auto <laughs> london Always go to London if in doubt. Friends come to London, Series Four. Four. The, the Dark World second. went to London. It's just, it's the natural progression, and then you have, you've got to have the uh, cameos with ridiculously dodgy posh accents for Americans to laugh at. Yeah, you know, like there was a period of time when Ricky Gervais would always be that English guy, whether it would just be in a quick cameo or or pretending to be a customer or... Actually, David Walliams would somehow do that as well. I really hope we do not get James Corden popping up trying to talk to people. I've had, had uh, enough of those sort of cameos. Get Just just get a, anyone, anyone else. Nick Frost, get Nick Frost, please. <laughs> I'd love to see him in more stuff. Put him in it. Just just for the love of God, please do not put James Corden in it. <laughs> I concur with that one. <laughs> right, so speaking of uh, films that we don't know if we need to, to see, uh, back on that thread. So Star Wars, obviously Solo got released last week and we got a review later on, so we won't go into details of, of that film here. But um, Star Wars, as in Lucasfilm with Disney, have announced that there is going to be a Boba Fett movie. Um, that is, this is currently being worked on with James Mangold. James Mangold, who you might know as the director from Wolverine, uh, Logan, should I say. And um, Or he actually did do the Wolverine as well, but uh, that aside, he directed Logan, bought that as an R-rated film to the masses and and done a really good job interpreting this material now this is fascinating because a boba fett is a obviously an amazing character in the star wars canon but the fact that this is actually happening and james mangold has been assigned to this 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 is a really interesting combination this story was actually exclusive from the hollywood reporter and they have sources that have, have seemingly to confirms that this is something that's definitely going to be happening or at least has started the process of happening so yeah a lot of films get announced whether they actually make it through to production that's another thing but um i'm interested to see how this this plays out john boba fett is he a guy that that rings any bells for you not uh not huge bells i have to say just tinklings um, I'm getting a bit of Star Wars spin-off fatigue, though. Uh, are they milking this a bit much? Well, box office suggests you might be onto something there, John, because Solo has had the lowest income of any of the Star Wars movies um, on its first opening week, which I don't know if that is just because of the subject matter. I don't know if that's because how The Last Jedi was not commercially, but critically received amongst fans. I don't know if this is because there's literally an announcement every other week of something to do with Star Wars, or is it just because you've come out at the wrong time. Deadpool and Infinity War kind of cleared up across across cinemas at the moment, um, which is kind of a shame because, spoiler alert, I actually quite enjoyed Solo. Um, but, yeah, I think the machine is starting to spit out a bit too much too quickly, and I think ultimately people decide with their pounds and their dollars, and at the moment it appears to be that Solo is not going to track at the rate they would like to, and that, yeah, it does suggest that we might be entering that fatigue. So, next one up. So, Andy Circus, Love him. 
great actor, great director, great writer. I would say um, our modern Charlie Chapman for what he's done for for computer animation and motion capture. Think about his roles as Gollum. Think about him as as King Kong. Think about him as Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies. He has been very loud in his own production company of wanting to create movies and stories. And he's first major picture trailer got released last week which is a film called Mowgli it is a take on the jungle book this does fall into that category of do we really need another jungle book movie straight after the really good one that came out not too long ago and the trailer was released and I'm going to be honest it feels very beat for beat similar to the live action one just slightly different tone uh yeah I enjoyed the trailer but i know i was confused i have to admit and then i looked at the top comment and someone helpfully said if for anyone who's confused this is an adaptation of the original novel about mowgli and the jungle book is an adaptation of the actual disney movie which helped clear things up for me but uh, i do i feel bad for it because i feel like it has potential to be a great movie but no matter what happens it's overshadowed isn't it by a very good jungle book remake um and it's hard to shake that off in your mind because it's even got the kind of darkened feel of of that one as well so i was almost expecting idris elba to be uh shia khan and so so yeah i think it's a bit harsh the timing but um i i'll try and reserve judgment because i think it has definitely has potential to be great yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I'm still thinking of all the things Andy Circus's you know team and production people around him could could go for. This really doesn't feel like the one they should jump for first. But then again, you know, let's judge it a little bit later down the line. I like the fact it's got some really good cast members in this. Benedict Cumberbatch is is lending his voice talents to this. And um, I'm going to call it now. There's going to be a big twist in this film, and I've got no evidence to back this up on other than the trailer I have seen, just the same as everyone else in the world. But I I generally think there's going to be a twist i think mowgli is going to be female i think that the actor playing the role looks very feminine and they have not released that many details um or haven't done that much research to suggest that they they might be they might be doing a flip on this so i think there's going to be a, an interesting twist that's just my take from from how they're portraying the character but uh that's my call you heard it. if this turns out to be true i'm going to take this podcast in a year or so's time and basically stick it for everyone to see but look <laughs> talk film with me called it first do you know what I? That's it. It's a good call, actually. I think that's a very interesting. That would be a really interesting take, and uh, you might be onto something there, Flinty. Or you might look like a class ninny. Either way, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know something else I enjoyed? I enjoyed the Lego Movie, uh, written and directed by Lord and Miller, who, although we'll talk about that later, uh, were part of the Solo Movie, um, but they've gone back to their world of Lego and there's going to be a sequel. It's going to be called, in the very imaginative title, The Lego Movie 2, The Second Part. The Lego Movie is a really unexpectedly great movie, right? It done, it really cleaned up. Uh, but I, I felt like if you've got ADHD, I think that is the film for you because there's just so <laughs> much going on. I, I struggled a little bit because I'm a little bit more slow moving, slow paced, as you can tell by my voice, probably. But um, so uh, I'm looking forward to it, though. I'm just going to have to drink some Red Bull, maybe get some chocolate and just like try and race through it. <laughs> I as we were talking about the Star Wars fatigue, I kind of felt like we were getting Lego fatigue because there was obviously the Lego movie. There was the Lego Lego Ninjara movie that also came out as well as the Lego Batman movie. Now I'm a, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast will know I'm, I'm big into my comic book movies and, and Batman is, is my guy, but um, the Lego Batman movie, if you know your Batman for law and you love a bit of Lego, this film is nothing is going to top that for you. Every scene has so many Easter eggs and little pieces and little, little discussion points and little homages to the original source material that yeah nothing will ever beat that from the fact they got bd williams to do the voice of harvey dent even though he played it off camera once in a batman film the fact that they've got the different combinations of all the best parts of of various incarnations of characters and yeah it's just for me that was the epitome of an amazing uh, conclusion of all this great stuff that these teams have put together and um, I really do think if they're going to emulate the success they had from the first Lego movie they've really got to push the boat out in terms of 
adapting their storytelling methods and the comedy they use behind it. But then again, who who knows? Let's wait until the first trailer drops for this. But I'm excited. Chris Pratt will be reprising um, his role apparently, so that'll be quite interesting to see how they continue this continuation. Obviously, the first film was set in a, a basement in a child's imagination, so how do they continue this? I don't know. Then again, I didn't think they could do a sequel to Wreck-It uh, Ralph, and they're doing a great job with that by the looks of it. So yes, that will come out in summer of next year. And that's your news for this week. Streaming gems. The Alienist is a TV show available on your Netflix account, which uh, was available from a couple of weeks ago, but it's getting a real uh, real buzz in terms of critical and uh, commercial success because it's also available on TNT in the US. Um, this film is actually set 100 years ago in the 19th century about a newspaper illustrator called John Moore who meets a criminal psychiatrist uh, who is known as an alienist back in those days. I'm going to butcher some names here, but the character is called Dr. Lazo Carriza, and he is played by none other than Daniel Brühl. You might know him from his turn in Captain America Civil War. Uh, he first broke onto our screens in Inglorious Bastards as the, the the Jew hunter who was uh, ceremoniously killed at the end of the movie. It's also got Luke Evans, surprisingly, in this, actually, who plays Luke Moore. Uh, Luke Evans, you may know him as Gaston in the Beauty and the Beast remake, as well as Dracula in that Dracula Untold film. Really good Welsh actor. Um, plays an interesting gentleman in, in this. So the concept is, it's the late 19th century. Um, uh, Dr. Kreisler has come to live in New York uh, while these crimes are happening in kind of, like I said before, like a Victorian era sort of uh, New York where various crimes are happening and causing need for study, need for further advancements in how we treat the mentally disabled. And at this time, psychiatrists are known as alienists because people who are mentally distant i.e. alien from themselves need help recovering from that think of this as a first step towards forensic science becoming a thing in crime is that a good take on it john i would say i'd say it's the cross between mind hunter which we really enjoyed uh a bit of sherlock a lot of sherlock actually and uh mind hunter and sherlock i would say uh, sort of somewhere between those two set in 1896 with a splash of silence of the lambs in there for good measure and um, what i i really appreciate about this film as well sorry tv show it feels like a film the budget behind it is incredible and um, what i really appreciate about this tv show is that the subject matters of the crimes that they try and solve in each episode you know they unravel more details of these crimes that are happening and the team that that um that Dr. Chrysler and Jonathan Moore are putting together expand and expand and expand and they get new talent in to help them and and ideate and move forward. Like, for example, they discover how to use the fingerprint, how that gets discovered and used into crime and how they're able to detect certain motions on a body. Now, the subject matter is a bit dark and um, if you are easily offended by uh, horrific crimes albeit fictional and this might not be the one for you but I figured if you kind of got from our description there of that kind of forensic mind hunter Sherlock with with a red dragon in between you kind of understand the direction this sort of thing goes into the the crimes are a bit heinous aren't they I yeah I have to admit I struggled through I'm only on the second one actually so uh no spoilers please but um I really struggled with the first one. I watched it with my wife and she struggled more. I usually have quite a high tolerance with this sort of thing, but it's, uh, yeah, that you'll see when you watch the first one. It's quite heavy going. Um, but what's been really interesting for me is it seems to have been taken quite well by audiences, uh, according to reviews, um, but critics not so much. It's only got about 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, and they're very mixed reviews. So it's uh, an interesting kind of uh, take on it. How how where do you sit? Are you sitting firmly on the uh, positive side? I'm. I prefer this to Mindhunter. I really enjoy Mindhunter. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's a very slow burner. I think this this has got a really i mean netflix in general with their tv shows they've got the ability to keep you hooked episode to episode there'll always be that bit at the end there'll be a little reveal and you go oh all right I'll, I'll stay up and watch another episode and this definitely applies to this show so there's definitely lots of of moments where it keeps the the pace going and i really enjoy the pace from that and um, i do agree with you that subject matter is a little bit like okay it's a bit uncomfortable but um but you know you can suspend disbelief and just watch it from that perspective um, I think the critics are 
probably the ones that don't like it have probably got it wrong in my opinion um i'm really enjoying it at the moment i'm about five six episodes in at the moment and we're kind of doing a review in progress for this streaming gem because we kind of want to get people listening and and as well as watching these these streaming gems and letting us know their views on this so and um, please if you haven't seen it yet or you've got an opinion tweet us and talk to us about this at talk filming to me but at the moment i feel like out of the you know we do our range of between zero uh, one to five for me it's, it's heading towards a four right now where's it sit for you john mm. I it's hard it's a tough one but I'm still I'm I'm at three at the moment but I'm very a lot of series start at about three and they can end up at a five for me so I'm I've still yeah holding out judgment but uh shout out to Dakota Fanning as well I haven't seen her in it in much since she was one of the best child actors ever in my opinion since she was in uh films like Signs back in the day really good uh, child actress and it's good to see her as an adult <laughs> and she's you know she hasn't lost her chops luckily oh fantastic well there you go at the moment four out of five uh well between three and four out of five in a couple of weeks time we'll come back and hopefully we would have binged it by then and, and hopefully we'll have some opinions from users on this as well so get in contact with us at talk filming to me you're after something Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? Solo, a Star Wars story, is the latest in the anthology films that Star Wars uh, have been releasing every other year with their episodic movies. This is the origin stories of Han Solo, and we can now put that to bed. It is pronounced Han, not Han, as well as the origin of his surname as well, it wouldn't be told. So this is originally directed by uh, Lord and Miller, who directed and wrote the 23 and 22 Jump Street movies, as well as the Lego movie. Halfway through production, Scott... Uh, Sky, I don't know where I got Sky from. Um, Disney decided that it was best to part ways with those directors, and Ron Howard come in to take over directing duties and land the ship. Although it feels like a lot more reshoots were done than suggested, although the Millers have been given executive producer credit, I think it's fair to say that Ron Howard had a different view and direction for this film. A lot of people, including myself, have come out and said, Is this the Star Wars film we need to see? Is this the Star Wars film we particularly care about? And um, I would argue to say we know everything we need to know about Han Solo in that first scene in the first Star Wars film in that cantina we know about his backstory we know about the fact that he's kind of a scoundrel we also know that he shoots first do we really need to see a two-hour film building this up that with the production problems and everything else we've heard um, it's fair to say that I wasn't particularly looking forward to this later Star Wars outing this film also has playing a young Lando Carizian Donald Glover now you've got a bit of my attention because I literally think everything that dude touches turns to solid gold so I was happy to go in for that reason alone but it's also got a pretty good cast so it's got Woody Harrelson um, who is just absolutely amazing in everything he does Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones as well as Fandy Ferron and a bunch of other spluttering of interesting stars like Paul Bettany. Um, this is where it's got Aldrin Aldrich playing the lead, Han, obviously. You may know him from his scene-stealing turn in Julius Caesar, or Hail Caesar, I should say. Um, that comedy that wasn't particularly good, but he definitely stole the show. Um, this is the film, like I said, we didn't necessarily want to see, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. They've pulled it off. I think they've actually done quite a good film in this. Um, it does struggle with its own identity. Is this a Han Solo movie or is this just a heist movie that happens to have Han Solo? I think when it when it tries to be more of the latter, it's definitely a much better experience. Yes, there are some clunky elements. Yes, there's some interesting writing. But overall, the film really does deliver in terms of setting up the, a, the origin story of, of a young Han Solo, but also widening up the star wars universe in a way that doesn't involve lightsabers or the force so that's quite good john you've seen the trailers you know a bit about this what's your your take on this film so far i have to admit i didn't think um the guy playing han solo had obviously you're you're filling in harrison ford's shoes right mm. uh i didn't think he he looked quite the part and he almost looks too nice. Like Harrison Ford has this very rugged uh, darkness about him. And I feel like they cast a guy who 
looks a bit nice for for that role. Um, and and just you know, basically, he doesn't look quite like the the character for me. So, but I, I was very turned on by the cast. I thought, as you said, like it's got a great cast: Donald Glover, amazing Woody Harrelson, and a great to see Amelia Clark in it as well. But uh, I wasn't, yeah. I mean, how do you feel having watched it about the lead lead guy's portrayal? So at some point in this film, some point in this process, some point in this uh, this story, he becomes Han Solo. Now, I don't mean that in terms of figuratively on the screen. Obviously, he's Han Solo from the start. But at some point in this film, the actor relaxes. It just clicks for him. He becomes Han. Now, when the film... And this is my point earlier about when the film stops trying to be a... This is a film introducing to you a new Han Solo and goes about telling you a far better story that just happens to have Han Solo in it, it becomes a much better movie. So at the start of the film, literally every five seconds, someone is shouting at him, Han, Han, Han. You know, so they go, hey, you, Han, how are you doing? Everyone, this is Han. Yeah, I get it, guys. You're trying to sell it to us that this is the new Han Solo. I get it, okay? I'm, I'm accepting it. Um, but at some point in this film, the actor all of a sudden relaxes, all of a sudden the dialogue works, the lines stick, the delivery's perfect, the situation warrants the, the delivery and it all of a sudden becomes a believable performance and by the end of it, I'm happy this guy's Han Solo. You know what? Even if they told me and they have left this open for potential sp- uh, sequels or spin-offs and uh, even, you know, obviously, duh, there is obviously Star Wars but um, yeah, I, I think he pulls it off. He plays the essence of the character, not the essence of the actor which is something really important when you're doing this. Um, I agree with you, he doesn't quite look the part, he doesn't look like a young Han Solo where Lando, de- uh, or shall I say Donald Glover, looks like a young Billy D. Williams, like the way he plays it, the way he dresses, the way he acts you can see that and you feel that and you, you believe that in the performance. Um, equally, though, this is Star Wars for a new generation. Let's not forget this film, although it, there's a lot of fan service in this and this is for the get the gooey-eyed, nostalgic people in the cinema, Star Wars is on a trajectory to introduce to a new generation. That is what The Last Jedi was all about. There's a connecting piece of tissue here with those goddamn dice that they had in The Last Jedi. They make an appearance in the solo movie there's also i believe there's going to be a connection between this movie and the next anthology film whatever that may be now i'm not going into spoilers but there is a massive and i am talking massive infinity war level unveiling which everyone in the cinema had their jaws dropped to the ground and was like oh my god i can't believe that just happened that happens in this film. I won't go into details. I'll talk about it in a later podcast. But that was unbelievable. And for them to stick that in this film was a bold move by Disney slash Lucasfilm, to say the least. Um, I agree that this is still probably not the film we asked for, but we got a damn good serving when we least expected it. Um, but unfortunately, this is not faring too well at the box office at the moment. Critically, it's done okay. Um, but commercially, it is not doing the estimations that it was hoping to do. And you know, there's lots of reasons behind that, which is kind of a shame because, in my opinion, this is a good film. This is a good Star Wars film worthy of its anthology title. It is up there with Rogue One uh, in terms of satisfaction even though you know the outcome of the story and there are some really interesting tales in this and long long may it continue if these spin-offs that they're talking about do happen awesome um is this a film do you think that a star wars a big star wars fan has to love rather than i mean a casual watcher are they going to be turned off by this is it going to be a bit confusing for them uh, no, it's not. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that you can come in cold on this. Um, you probably won't care as much. Uh, a lot of people will be like, "Oh God, they showed this, or this is how that happened." And there's some bits which, you know, to be all, you know, in all honesty, we don't need to know the origins of how those particular things happened. But it's interesting that we know them now. Um, but yeah, I don't think you're going to come in if you're coming in fresh and think, "Oh, I don't know any of this." Um, it might make you want to watch the original trilogy if you've not seen it because it's kind of interesting how they connect. And I'm really glad because I, I come in, like I said, uh, for me, I wanted to slate this film. I wanted it to be terrible because I 
said, we don't need this film. I don't like the cast. I don't like the fact they sacked the directors, even though they said they want to go in a comedy direction. As soon as they went in a comedy direction, they then pulled out. And you can kind of see some of those scenes are still very comedic based. Only Donald Glover, he's the comedian at heart, you know, his acting style. So, of course, um, there's going to be elements of that. But I was generally surprised at the way it was all delivered. I was happy that there was no cheesy rip-offs of previous Star Wars films just done with a new cast so that we go, ah, oh, remember Berries. You know, there there was, this is its own story in its own right. The effects are brilliant as you expect with a, with these sort of productions. Cast, fantastic. It goes in some interesting directions. Um, I'm still not sold as L337, the, the new droid in the film, although some people generally love her. Um, I think Paul Bettany is a great actor. He's got some... He can play a villain so well. And he he really does put them put them to play here, and I I really enjoy this movie. Woody Harrelson gives a great performance, but obviously the star of the show for me is Donald Glover. Amelia Clark does outshine anyone when she is on screen, but Donald Glover just epitomizes Lando in such a smooth, suave way. So I'm going to go four out of five. Um, I've been torn between three and a four, but it is a four out of five film. I highly recommend it. There are some interesting cameos. There are some interesting takes on, on traditional Star Wars lore. And for that scene alone, the one with the big unveil, which I'll talk about in a later podcast, that pushes it to a four. Awesome. I have to admit the droid, I'm guessing from the trailer, it, yeah, annoyed me. Was, was she kind of given some comedic relief? That wasn't really landing. Yeah, uh, nothing that droid said landed for me. Like, I generally was just frustratedly annoyed every time it spoke. But um, (laughs) there'll be someone out there that it was written for that will find it the greatest character ever created in Star Wars 4 lore. I think not, but that's just my opinion. Um, I generally thought it was really annoying. Um, I think Star Wars has got to kind of be careful of how many... um, characters they introduce for introductory sake so yes you've got your cute bb robots you've got your droid that was following them around in in rogue one it doesn't have to be every star wars film has to have a droid with an interesting voice actor or an interesting gimmick about them like they need to be careful not to have a blueprint that people will start mocking and expecting and and not get the same uh enjoyment out of the storytelling hmm word so there we have it four out of five since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. We're back with a feature this week, and what I thought would be quite interesting to do, this is, you know, they always say, look for your life for inspiration. My daughter has made me watch the film Moana about a million times in the last two weeks. Uh, and to be fair, it's a pretty good damn film. But if I have to hear the your welcome song one more time, I'm probably going to cry. And that led me to think... <laughs> What films have you seen more times than you care to admit? You know, for whatever reason, you've got in your psyche a film that you have seen so many times, you can quote it off the spot. You, you know exactly what it is by a frame on the screen. And, you know, for whatever reason, but they're just, they're, they're part of you now. Um, I asked John this a, a couple of days ago, and he's had a bit of a think as well. But um, obviously, other than Moana, I'm going to say one, which actually I'm not afraid to admit. The film Freddy Got Fingered. Um, I don't know why but I've seen that film a hundred times it's very much a niche film Uh, it's very much a film which isn't particularly funny probably hasn't aged very well but when I was at university I literally sat there and watched it thousands of times and I couldn't help and I still laugh at the idea of someone playing a piano with sausages saying Dad would you like some sausages? (laughs) I know I'm with you man I think that film is pure bliss it's just original you can't you can't knock it for that um and it's just ridiculous i think there's something pure and ridiculous about giving tom green money to make a film (laughs) and just letting him do whatever and he did and it come out with that some very but do you remember the scene in that where he he's skateboarding it's slow motion and there's a really cool moby track i think behind it and for a moment you forget you're watching one of the most ridiculous surreal comedies ever and you think this is 
is a really good scene. You're almost emotional. I don't know. Maybe I'm remembering that with rose-tinted glasses, but yeah, I, I thought that was brilliant. I, I agree. But there's a couple of really good scenes. There's a scene where he's running through, I think he's running through a city, and there's a Green Day song from the Warning album played in the background, Blood, Sex and Booze. And that's probably the only time you'll ever hear that song outside of a Green Day album. And uh, I just, I, at the time, I was just getting into that album in particular, and I was just like, oh, this is, this is absolutely incredible. But um, I also, although I do look back in very fond memories to that film i dare not watch it again because i fear it has not aged well yeah you might be right to suspect that i think all right then john hit me what you got well you know what my my first one's got to be uh it's a film i watched what first time when i was about 10 or 11 and nothing has ever comedically surpassed it. It's on Channel 5 at least every week. <laughs> it's, of course, the original Dumb and Dumber, which is uh, I know every line, I know every song, I've got the soundtrack, and I genuinely listen to that. If you're ever on the road, put Dumb and Dumber's soundtrack on because it's a road movie, right? Honestly, it's uplifting, it's incredible. <laughs> and you can quote so much on the road with Dumb and Dumber so yeah I've, I've watched this at, at least once a year ever since then I'd say I must have watched it at least 50 or 60 times maybe even 100 I don't know but um, I just think it's the funniest movie ever and I'm sure a lot of it is nostalgic though you know when you watch a film as a kid and you just howl and then 15 years later you still find it funny but people don't completely agree with you and you wonder if it's just like a nostalgia thing i don't think this is it for that though i think this is there's a reason why it's always on tv and because people still get watch it they watch five minutes they get sucked in they have to watch the rest so nah. dumb and dumber yeah i i agree with you dumb and dumber is a bit of a classic i tell you one film that i have watched hundreds of times which whenever it's on i i have i pretty much quote it from start to finish and it actually is back to a time when guy Ritchie did make amazing films and it's got to be snatch um that lit every scene in that film has some amazing dialogue you look at the cast oh my god this cast is so good and uh yeah everything from just five minutes turkish to do you like dogs you know and everything else that that film just stays with me so much and and you know it kind of has a massive cult following when i always seem to tie everything back to university but um when i was some of uh, people that are now some of my closest friends um we were walking to to university class together and someone pointed out something where they go oh if we don't get this assignment done we're fucked and someone went what proper fucked and we literally spent the entire day quoting the rest of that film back to each other i think it kind of holds very dear in people of a certain age's heart and Snatch is definitely one of yeah. those. There was at least two years back at uni where everyone was just quoting Snatch. Uh, it, insane. Ridiculous. So, my next one is a big cliche, but it's another one. It's on ITV2 all the time. Uh, it's of Shawshank Redemption. And it's one of them movies you do, you watch a bit of it and you just, you can't just watch a bit of it. I'll actually tell you a story. My best, one of my best friends, I will, he'll remain nameless, but uh, <laughs> he lives in Denmark. <laughs> so he, uh, he had never seen Shawshank Redemption. And I thought, well, I've got to write this wrong. For goodness sake, come on. He's, he's watched other movies. He's, you know, it's not that he's not a film buff. I thought, we're watching this. We're going to sit down. It's a long movie, but we're going to watch it. So I sat him down. I was, we were halfway through. I was totally in, in it, even though I'd seen it 50 times before. You know, you're totally hooked. You know what's going to happen. And he got up and he said, oh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit tired, actually. I feel I'm going to go to bed. Just midway through a scene Andy Dufresne he, do, he doesn't know what's going to happen to Andy Dufresne he doesn't know if he's going to break out it absolutely blew my mind that he could leave the film two thirds or halfway through and I was I was livid with him and he will never know how angry I was but um I'd like to think can you imagine I'd like to think that during that watching of that film you had this little Morgan Freeman voice in your head that was just saying I'd like to tell you that he really enjoyed the film <laughs> 
that he was opened his eyes to a new world of Stephen King adaptations and that an enduring friendship would last the ages with him and John. This isn't that story. <laughs> but have you ever done that? You've you've been so excited to show someone something and they just haven't got it and it's so frustrating, especially if you love and adore that person and you respect their opinions. But, mm, you know, oh, but, shame on you. But actually, this is kind of a reverse one on that, right? Um, I had a, a previous girlfriend was absolutely obsessed with Bridget Jones when that came out. And she made me watch that film so many times. Don't get me wrong, it's okay. It's not going to be... It's not Shawshank good. It's not Snatch good. It's not even Apollo 13 good. You know, it's it's like a have watched it okay if i had to watch it again i would but like if someone had to write a list of the top 10 greatest films they love watching i'm gonna be honest and say bridget jones isn't gonna be very high on that list for me and it probably isn't high on many people's so yeah i have unfortunately i I hate to admit it but i have watched that film too many times than i care to admit yeah it's not really for us is it i think that's fair to say john yeah they weren't sitting there going hmm i wonder what teenage white men in britain would think of this film yeah so so that is a very good point and so if you've got any other films that you think that you've watched far too many times that you that uh, we haven't really talked about yet on the podcast get in touch on at Talk Filmy to me. Connect the dots, connect the dots, connect the dots, connect the dots. You can't connect the dots with each other. Hilarious. Connect the dots, connect the dots, connect the dots, connect the dots. You can only connect them looking backwards. Something like that playing in the background. Connect the Dots, a game that we play on the Talk Film With Me podcast where you can play along at home. Basically, I've got a list of films from IMDb. I'm looking at those cast lists. John, or whoever my guest is, has to guess what the film is from position 10 up to position 1. If they guess what film it is, they get points. The more points they get, the higher up the table they go i.e. if you guess someone on position 8, you get 8 points. There's three films with a bonus doubler at the end. Um, at the moment... I have been clearing the way in terms of the charts. However, I had a shocker the other week, and and this is John's chance to capitalise on that. So, John, how much uh, mm. how much training have you been doing in preparation for the return of Connect the Dots? I've just been reading IMDb. Uh, I'm about halfway through, so <laughs> I'm pretty confident today. Um, and I'm definitely not going to type the names into Google as you say them. Right. Okay. That's, that that holds such confidence that you are your integrity of this this sport has not been compromised. <laughs> this is the equivalent of doping, isn't it? This is. There'll be an Icarus documentary in the works at some point, I'm sure. Okay. So, are you ready, John? All right. Hit me with it. Okay. So here we go. Starting off, Eddie Jemison. Hmm. Okay. Nora Dunn. Uh huh. Steve Carell. Forty-year-old virgin. Lisa Walter. Um, Christine Bell. The Anchorman. Philip Baker Hall. Oh, God. Jennifer Anderson. Oh. Morgan Freeman. Evan Almighty. Jim Carrey. Chris Almighty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh. Right, you got, right, you got one. That was, yep, yeah, Bruce Almighty. I got one. And three. Yeah, Jim Carrey was at the top. Sorry, pal. Oh. Yeah, yeah. you, you had a 50-50 chance with the Evan Almighty switch there, unfortunately, bud. Okay, so currently on Juan. We are now moving <laughs> over to the second one, which I'm, I'm sorry, this is actually going to be quite a hard one, but it is a classic film. Okay, here we go. So it's uh, Susan Lee Hoffman. Uh-huh. Malik Bowens. Uh, yep. Zates McCoey. Uh, hook oh, close Patrick Dempsey actually I work close at all don't read that as a sign <laughs> well, that's, that was my new clue uh, E.T. Donald Sutherland okay oh god Cuba Cooden Jr. oh no I know this now I know it but I don't go on Kevin Spacey Cuba Cooden Jr. Kevin Spacey Cuba Sutherland Oh, God. What is it? Morgan Freeman. Seven. No, we've done seven. It can't be seven. R- Rene Russo. Our usual suspects. Dustin Hoffman. Oh, God. I'm... 
Look like Are you a done? Plank. Ah, uh, um, it's the classic 1995 film Outbreak. Um, it's got a lot of the same cast from Seven. It's an absolute classic movie about an outbreak in America from a diseased monkey. I don't know if you've never seen it, John, but I've, it's an absolute classic. I've never seen it. Oh, Have you? Words. Oh, I, I, I feel really. I feel. I feel bad. You haven't seen this film, but um, yeah, man, this is a. This is one of the best casts I've ever heard, though. That's. I've got to watch that. Yes, definitely. Okay, so we're currently on one with the final round, but as Liverpool know, you know anything can happen in the last ten minutes. So let's uh, mm. let's see how we get on. Unless you're a goalkeeper. So okay, let's go. Larry Brandenburg. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Dimon. Uh huh. James Whitmore. Yep. Mark Rolston. Mm, not feeling good about this. <laughs> Jill Bellows. Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown. William Sadler. Bob Gunton. Bob Gunton. Morgan Not... F- Morgan Freeman. Okay, now we're talking. Now we're talking. And um, the, f- the final slot. Redemption. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I get... Another you got, point. You got two points for that one, and it fin- and it finishes with Tim Robbins obviously playing Andy in that film. Um, so uh, that's a tough one because there truly is not many stars in that film, are there? No, it's not. There's a lot of breakout performances in that film, and I unintentionally put Morgan Freeman in all three of those films. That, that wasn't a sign of solidarity or anything like that. That generally was a coincidence. <laughs> but um, so anyway, I am going to. Are we, I assume you want to gamble your illustrious three points. I'm going to gamble, would you believe? Okay, so you have to associate the writer with one of those three films and I'm going to pick one of these writers and I'm going to ask you what film was wrote by Steve Corrine? Stephen, what? Stephen King? Steve Corrine, not Stephen King. Oh, I... <laughs> um... I'm going to go with, what was the first one? Bruce Almighty uh, or Outbreak? I'm going to go with Outbreak. Oh, John, I thought I gave you the low-hanging <laughs> fruit there. Sorry, pal. No, uh, it wasn't. Uh, Outbra- uh, sorry, Outbreak was actually wrote by Lawrence Darrow and Rob Lee Poole, and unfortunately oh, it was Steve Curran and Mark Caff that wrote Bruce Almighty. Uh, it's a tough game, but it's the game we live by. Connect the dots. Connect the dots, 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 connect the or any other button that means you get more content from Talk Fill Me To Me. I want to thank my astute guest, John Descamento. How can people find you? Uh, people can find me at Descamento on Twitter. Next week, we'll be back with a review. We'll be back with a feature. We've got a new game we're going to be trialling. It's going to be great. So tune in next week. Till next time. We're down in the basement. We'll lock the cellar door. Talk filmy to me.